mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewellery that makes you look like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. eBay gets it. So look for the blue check mark next to that thing you love and be confident that every inch, stitch, sole and logo is checked by experts. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. Today's episode has been sponsored by Jay McLaughlin. Jay McLaughlin is a timeless lifestyle brand with incredible style and a spirit of connection. I am obsessed with Jay McLaughlin and have been so honored that they are sponsoring my Zibiverse tour. It just so happens that the tour goes to so many communities and areas of the country that have Jay McLaughlin stores. And I love that the brand is philanthropic through Jay McLaughlin's local and loyal programming host store events to give back to organizations that are meaningful to Jay McLaughlin's local communities. I also love the fact that the clothes are just so chic. They make me feel polished and modern. And the best part is that most of the line comes in fabrics that don't wrinkle. I especially love the dresses, the cashmere sweaters, the other sweaters. You'll see them all over my Instagram. I typically tag at Jay McLaughlin. And so you can check it out. It is absolutely one of my favorite brands and I am over the moon excited to be working with them. In fact, I want to share the love with all of you. Jay McLaughlin is giving 20% off new customers and listeners of my podcast with special code ZIBBY20, capital Z-I-B-B-Y 20. That's 20% off for new customers and listeners of the podcast with special code capital Z Zibby 20. Take advantage of it today. My favorites are this white open long cashmere sweater that I've been wearing on every flight that I've taken on this tour. I have a blue with light blue horizontal striped sweater, several dresses I even wore on Morning America. Check it out. Jay McLaughlin. Thanks so much. Hi, I'm Zibby Owens, the creator and host of the award-winning podcast that you're listening to right now, thank you so much, called Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. It is a daily podcast, 365 days a year, and each day we talk to an author about all of the things related to their career, their book, their life, and more in 30 minutes or less, because who has time? I am now an author myself, although I wasn't when I started this podcast, and you can get my new memoir, Bookends, a memoir of love, loss, and literature, wherever books are sold starting July 1st, and my children's book, Princess Charming. You can learn more about me at zibbyowens.com, but really, you're here to learn more about the authors, and that is what we're going to do. Also, be sure to check out all the other podcasts in the Zcast Podcast Network. You can learn more at zcastnetwork.com and definitely check out those shows as well.
Kashana Kali is the author of The Survivalists. Kashana is a former Midtown antitrust lawyer and Brooklyn resident. She is a writer for the Fox comedy The Great North, a contributing opinion writer for The New York Times, and a GQ contributor. She's written for The Daily Show with Trevor Noah and Pod Saves America on HBO, as well as The Atlantic, The New Yorker, Pitchfork, and Rolling Stone, and has published fiction in Esquire, Slate, Tin House, and The Chronicles of Now. Kashana now lives in Los Angeles. I, so I'm sorry to do this podcast from the car, but it's my, I had to drop my son off at school and it's my husband's birthday. My husband, Kyle, say hi. Hi. Decided at the last second to go and drop off my son at school. Anyway, here I am. It still works perfectly. Yes, it does. I completely understand. Okay. So welcome, Kashana. Thank you so much for coming on Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books to discuss the survivalist, a novel. Thanks for having me. I'm really excited to talk about this with you. Oh, you too. Can you please tell listeners what your book is about? I sometimes I joke that it's where it, it's where the intersection of bad roommates and bad boyfriends go to screw up your life. Um, <laughs> it's about a lawyer who's in, becoming increasingly depressed with her career, but she's single and she always wanted to find the perfect guy, and she does. But there's a big catch: he is a survivalist, and so are his roommates, and it doesn't go that well. There's always something. Yeah. <laughs> I loved how you described her one day as, as wearing an orange dress to work so that she could at least pretend it was the weekend and not be so depressed at work. That was a great detail. I love that. Where did this concept come from? And did you ever keep a similar sort of spreadsheets with a required amount of Googling per person? <laughs> I do religiously believe in Google. I have yeah. never Googled my way through a boyfriend because I met my husband a little bit before the Google your way through a boyfriend era. But I will Google anything else than an inch of its life and trust the results. Thank you, Internet. The book came about because I read about two sets of survivalists who were living right in the middle of crime-free neighborhoods in New York City. One was a Bonnie and Clyde-like pair living in the very crime-free village, 1956, if folks are familiar with New York. And the other one was on the end of my block in Prospect Heights above a trendy ramen shop, stockpiling guns like it was going out of style in another neighborhood that wouldn't know what crime was if it did it in the face. And I was like, why, guys? But I grew up in a house with guns, and my parents stockpiled food, and they were very much just-in-case people. So I sort of understood how these folks could end up there, but also sort of not. And that's when I started writing the book. And tell me about the decision to make both of their parents both deceased and how that became a common element for Aretha and Aaron. I'm not as close to my parents as I could be because of their survivalism. And I took a very hard look at that sort of relationship and what it's meant in my life. But I also wanted Aretha to have a reason why she was really, really going after this guy who looked super questionable. And I feel like at, at various points in the book, it feels like they are trying harder than most couples do to create a family sense around them, even though they are not engaged and they have not necessarily committed to each other in a sense that would really make that make sense. If their parents are fit and they're hanging with these roommates and this lifestyle, maybe that that opened up the chance for them to be more committed to each other. Otherwise, she could just leave. <laughs> right. But you find that common element, whatever it is, convince yourself of anything. Mm -hmm. Interesting. I loved all the imagery and the details about the coffee bags, the coffee grinds, all everything related to the business of the coffee, the coffee backed story, if you will. Uh, tell me about that. 
It was the late aughts to me and my husband and our friends. We were all just hardcore into coffee. It had just moved over from being like, you put hazelnut syrup in your Starbucks in the part of New York <laughs> we were living in to wait, there are notes. There are, this, there are blueberries in this. There are citrus notes. We hunted down all these third-wave coffee shops. I started talking to baristas. I read all the the details about the farmers that they posted on their wall, how the crops were grown, how they harvested them. I got obsessed. I started reading this magazine called Imbibe. I drove down to North Carolina and visited Counterculture Coffee and talked to their roasters, and they thought I was a professional. And I was like, oh, no, I'm just obsessed. And I, so when it came time to decide what anybody was going to do in this book, I'm a big believer in people you know, have professions in literature. Oh, I want to write about something I'm obsessed with. I want to see if coffee works. And it did. That's awesome. So then what is your go-to coffee? What do you get? What do you drink in real life? Uh, right now I'm on the subscription program from this coffee roaster in my neighborhood called Go Get Em Tiger in Los Angeles. But I, everywhere I go on a trip, I bring back home a bag. I've ordered coffee from Lost in Texas or Brooklyn. I um, was very excited to meet some Salvadorans in Paris because I, I wasn't a huge fan of General Paris Cafe coffee. And we started talking about coffee for half an hour and how South American beans were better. I'm, I'll meet a coffee person everywhere I go. I'll try a bag everywhere. But in wow. general, I like heavy notes like butterscotch, chocolate. How do you that make kind of it? Thing. Do you, you talked about different different ways of making the coffee in the book too, at the different Eric's machines or whatever. So how like how do you do you do a drip? I know this is like ridiculous, but I'm curious. Uh, I have a Chemex. I'm a big believer in it. I used to be a French press person, but it turns out the oils in French press are not great for your cholesterol. And so I said, okay, I'm gonna be more healthy about this. The Chemex filters out those oils, and then you pour over hot coffee on top of ground beans on a filter, and it's very open to the air. It's very elegant. Huh. So for someone who spends this much time and attention on coffee, tell me about how you started writing. I know you've done TV work as well. Uh, but how did you get into why write a novel and, and just writing in general? Like, where did that come from? And is it something you've always loved? I was a really early lover of books. I was like the eight-year-old who made friends with my librarian and read like Little Women and stuff. That turned into high school poetry that was bad, and then high school poetry that was better, and then fiction that was bad. And I just kept going because I loved it so much. Um, I wrote a book on the side when I was in law school that didn't work out, but was a good exercise in terms of structuring and laying out a novel. I wrote two other ones that didn't sell, but this was, believe it or not, the last one. I was like, if this doesn't sell, I'm just going to find something else to do with my life. In between all the books, I ended up writing nonfiction. <laughs> I, I was briefly an opinion writer at the Times. I ended up uh, writing for TV because somebody DM'd me one night and said, you know, I really like your jokes. Is there any chance you consider writing for television? But I'd always wanted to write a novel the whole time. And all of these other paths were complete surprises. But it's been so much fun to have all this experience as a writer. I've met hundreds of people. I've met so many other writers and editors. I love it. Wow. I love that. I think it's so important to for people to hear about all of the past many attempts. I feel like it's you have to write at least two practice novels or the third month sells. It's so rare to meet somebody who sells the first thing they've ever written fully as a novel. So it's like it's not a failure. It's just like you have to do that because that's what you have to do. 
like you can't play a tennis match if you have. And honestly, the journey is fun. I think I've become a better writer because of all of that. I know I don't know a single person without a drawer book, like you were saying. And honestly, I, they all everybody I've talked to do feels like they're better writers for having one under their belt that didn't work out either. It's part of a journey, and the journey is fine. I love how you said that though. That you start as like a bad bad poet, bad fiction. It's like the hierarchy to getting where you get to getting where you go, like. If you're in high school and you're writing a bad poem right now, like stay tuned because <laughs> you're on your way. The bad poetry but, led to other friends who are writing bad poetry too. That was my first writer community. I feel like the the idea of writer community, has been, I've carried that with me for a long time too. And that was some of why I love this though. So everything to me, all of those steps had a purpose. I made friends at all those levels. I read people his work was better than me and who I learned from at all those levels. I got better at those levels. It was a long journey for me, but it was worth it. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all jewellery that makes you look like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. eBay gets it. So look for the blue check mark next to that thing you love and be confident that every inch, stitch, sole and logo is checked by experts. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Was there a piece of the TV writing that particularly helped in the novel writing? Like, did it help with dialogue or, or pacing or like the beats of everything? Or, or is it just everything? Uh, in but... general, at The Daily Show, I became a less afraid writer and a less afraid pitcher. You have to pitch to 60 people every morning at 9 a.m. And you have to be the funniest person in the room who's on point with what news they want to cover that day. And after getting up in front of a room and like pitching to 60 people every morning, I will never, I, I do not, I'm not afraid to present ideas. I'm not afraid to do public speaking. I'm not afraid to just write something down and see if it works or subject it if it doesn't. I'm happy that that job taught me to fear a lot of things a lot less. Like a real trial by fire situation. So what do you think of your own author community? Like what are some of the best avenues for growing that or for... Where do you find yourself making the most relationships related to writing? And then how do you foster them? Is it one-off or do you join communities, like actual communities? Or is it bookish events? Or like, how do you keep all that going? Or is it just a personal? 
thing like any other I started on Twitter. The editor of this book was my eighth follower on Twitter back in 2010. Um, <laughs> he and I giggled about that a lot because we, I mean, he's now he's the editor in chief of the publishing house and I have this book out. We've gone through a lot together. He edited a column I wrote in 2015 also. And that was, that's been one of the longest, most fulfilling professional relationships in my life that started out when I followed somebody back and we started chatting every day. Five years before we ended up working together professionally. He, he and I fell in with other groups of people who were at about our level at the time. He was running a lit mag that, that had a smaller audience and I was writing weird little short stories that had a smaller audience. And so were so many of the people we hang out with. We were just at the same level. We talked every day about what we thought about books, what we thought about other writers and we thought about gossip. That ended up spilling over after I'd written for five years into real life events in New York. I started going to parties that people had read a piece of mine and could recognize me by sight, which is insane. I met a ton and ton of people that way who were doing, who were obsessed with things that I wasn't. And I learned a lot from their obsessions. I love obsessed people. They're the best. And then from there, yeah, I'm still on Twitter. I still do stuff in real life. I still think just reaching out to people who seem interested in your work or people who because work you're interested in has been something that has really helped me make friends in the writer community and also get better as a writer and look out for more people to read as well. Do you ever do any classes or anything? No, not since high school. I don't have an MFA or anything. I am. <laughs> I came from, from scratch <laughs> and lots of effort. I was rejected for an MFA, MSA, but it's okay. I've, I've made it. <laughs> So when you uh, when you read, like, what are the types of things you gravitate towards? What do you love to read? Uh, these days, I'm really into crime fiction. I feel like just kind of societally, there's a lot of parts of our society that aren't working out right now. A lot of folks in crime fiction are turning to very extreme ends to to pursue their goals and to pursue justice. And so there's a lot of truth and realism in those novels, even though they don't necessarily involve things that people would do in real life. I love contemporary fiction with a sense of humor. I love Percival Everett. I love Gary H. Steingart. I love nonfiction with real verb and style. I love Patrick Rad Keefe. I love um, Isabel Wilkerson wrote this great book called Cast and this other book called The Warmth of Other Sons. And I am descended from great migration people and just love reading about that part of Black history. I love Black history. I love Black present. But in general, and I love random authors who I never would have heard of who are just doing interesting sounding things that people tweet about. I know people are afraid to self-promote online, but I swear to God, people promoting their own books is how I find your book and how a lot of people find your book. And I will just click on random links all day long and be and introduced to people who I then become fans of for years. I agree. I love seeing what they promote, but also what other people that I really respect promote, what books they're reading. I feel like that's my meat. Well, aside from publicists. And what are you working on now? It's really too much of a unformed baby to talk about in any great detail, but I am working on a second novel that explores some of the stuff that I would say that's in the first novel that I'm obsessed with. Let's just leave it at that. Okay. Right. Aside from your the, the friends that you met that you met are the two couples who were survivalists also, did they just they whet your appetite for this whole topic, but then did you do it more of a deep dive and get obsessed about survivalism in general? And how much did you have to learn about guns and like what specifics and I all that? I did absolute tons of gun research. It's amazing how you can grow up in a household where people have guns and not know anything about makes, models, 
how they're fired, et cetera, what they're used for. Wisconsin is a hunting culture. I'm originally from there, but I had to learn about like personal gun ownership, which has nothing to do with hunting rifles or that sort of gun usage as well. And concealed carry and things like that. Concealed carry was not a thing when I was growing up in Wisconsin. It was not allowed until after I left the state. And so I, I had to learn about basically the personal reasons why people own guns outside of hunting deer, which was what was very trendy when I was growing up. I um, looked into the Bundys an awful lot because I was amazed at how you, people could occupy federal land for that long and not get into more serious trouble than they did. I also had the great luck of ending up with a friend who had a boyfriend who filled their attic with guns and brought like a tank into a major city and didn't mind being lightly quizzed about what his deal was, um, <laughs> which was just insane. After I'd already developed an interest in this stuff, she just started dating this guy. And I was like, wow, <laughs> let me just ask you questions and try to be subtle about the fact that I'm absolutely fascinated with what you're doing. But yeah, but then on top of that, I just, I read about Black survivalists too, which is a bit of a different tradition than a lot of the stuff I just mentioned. A little bit more internal, a little less like carrying guns at Target. Yeah, I did a lot of research. It was fun. Do you ever think about being like a historian or like what what was your path if the writing thing had panned out for you? Man, I don't know. I kind of wanted to be a writer since I was 10. I was a very unhappy lawyer. And at towards the end, I was like, what if I really tried going after writing. I thought I might be a musician once. I am not particularly talented at anything. I did play the violin for 10 years, but nah. I I just, I'm one of those always wanted to be a writer type, living the dream. Well, this, this book is definitely not an advertisement for joining law firms. <laughs> <to say that. laughs> there are no advertisements for joining law firms. Oh, I know, but this definitely isn't one. <laughs> so like run the other way. Um, <laughs> So what advice do you have for aspiring authors? I keep going. Honestly, I've most of the, myself and most of the people I know, the reason why we got published is because we kept going. We took the negative feedback. We took the rejections. We took um, the bad drafts. We took the general sense of, I think at the beginning, you're kind of unsure of your own work and you just sort of have to fight through that and go, you know what? I believe in what I'm doing and I would keep going. If you're there at the beginning, congratulations. Power to you, but I wasn't. And it was something I had to fight through. Um, and just, you know, I don't think it's bad to have friends that are writers. If you find folks that are fun and that you feel like you're learning from and really enjoying hanging out with, um, it's cool to read work. People who do work that you doubt. I have a lot of journalist buddies. Um, I know a lot of nonfictionists generally. And it was fun to hang out with them and learn how just a different side of writing worked and to do a little bit of that and kind of develop my writer brain in different ways. So basically, whatever you think will help your writing, you should go ahead and do that. And to keep finding some sort of writing practice, keep going, keep producing drafts, keep sending work out, keep taking the rejections in stride. And with did the whole ear piercing at the mall thing happen? I was 16. <laughs> my very first job was at a Claire's uh, in the mall. I they, This was like the late 90s. They handed me a cassette tape and they were just like, we're going to, so you'll have this cassette tape and then you'll have this mannequin that's made of styrofoam with earlobes and you're just going to take the ear gun. They called it an ear piercing gun. You're just going to shoot the mannequin and then you'll be fine. You'll be able to do real people. <laughs> and I was like, you know what? No. <laughs> I ran away. And I quit and I ended up going to another store in the mall and selling coats, which was so much less violent. <laughs> well. I had a, had a daughter who got her ears pierced at Claire's, I must say. 
<laughs> anyway, I won't even comment. Thank you for coming on Mom's Show Time to read books. I'm sorry again for recording this in my car, but when I do, when I have to do something for my kids. So trying to fit it all in. And, you know, congratulations. This book is already just getting so much buzz and press and all the rest. So um, I look forward to just watching it as it all. It's Thanks for oh, having me. It's really been a pleasure to talk to you about this book. Bye-bye. You too. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Don't forget to follow me on Instagram at Zibby Owens and at Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Also sign up for my newsletter at ZibbyOwens.com and sign up for my virtual book club and meet lots of authors on Zoom every other week. Thanks so much to Steve and Ryan at Texture Sound for the sound editing. And thank you to Morning Moon Productions for providing this fantastic intro and outro music. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewellery that makes you look like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. eBay gets it. So look for the blue check mark next to that thing you love and be confident that every inch, stitch, sole and logo is checked by experts. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.